Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton and special guest host Zach Rutland with Carriers here live on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Zach, how are we doing? Hey, Scott. Doing well. Good to be Great. on here again. Great to see you. We've enjoyed our, our prep conversations. And I'll tell you, we've got a rock and roll panel here today, right? Absolutely. I'm excited. Uh, we are too. So, Zach, as you know, on this episode, we're continuing our supply chain real estate series powered by our friends at Prologis. Uh, and today's overarching theme, Zach, what's 2022 going to be looking like? Uh, is that a pretty picture? Challenging picture? Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Zach? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I think there's, uh, I think there's a, a lot of disruption, as some people like to say, uh, but it's also a good time to be in the space. Just briefly, last week, my partner Ward and I were down at a conference um, in Palm Beach. Um, a lot of top level executives in, in the supply chain, um, as well as some startup groups that are looking to get into the space. And the energy there was just phenomenal. M&A activity in the space is at an all time high. You got kids studying in college now supply chain they're coming out of school excited about it so yeah while there might be some kinks in the supply chain i think overall you know the attitude is it's looking good no, i think we're on an upswing agreed and was ward richmond staying out of trouble down there in florida he did yeah he stayed <laughs> out of trouble it was a great time well hopefully he is tuned in i already see christina rodriguez k-rod is tuned in we're gonna say hello to folks uh, in just a minute or two but hey Folks, in the cheap seats, uh, in the sky boxes, as we call it, get your POV ready because we want to hear from you as we work our way through this conversation focused on not just 2022, but supply chain real estate. Uh, and as Zach has established, real estate seems to be a pretty popular topic in global supply chain these days. So let's say hello really quick, Zach. I got one quick follow-up question. So do you go by Zach? Do you go by Rutland? Or is there a nickname that you need to go ahead and share with me so I can use it throughout this conversation? We can go with Rut if okay. you'd like. Most people call me Zach. Um, there's probably a couple other nicknames that we shouldn't mention, but yeah, Zach is fair. Let's go with Zach. <laughs> okay. Good, good, good deal, man. Good deal. Well, let's say I, I mentioned the K-Rod. Christina Rodriguez is back with us here today. Zach, did you see I interviewed Christina? Marine veteran on our veteran voices show. And she brought it lots of stories, lots of good, big takeaways, universal takeaways. Did you happen to see that? No, I didn't. I, I saw her post about it. I haven't gone back and listened, but I'm, I'm sure it's good stuff. Christina's she's been around the block. She, she knows the space. She does. And you know, she's a mover and shaker, been promoted regional role. So she's a big thing. So Christina, great to have you here today. And by the way, remind me, Christina, you're tuned in via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. We have uh, Matthias, I think I said that right. If I didn't, I apologize. Tuned in via LinkedIn from Philadelphia. So one of our guests, Ben, not let the cat out of the bag, but I think Ben's going to be right at home with Matthias. Matthias, so does that make you, I guess, an Eagles, Phillies, and a Sixers fan, perhaps? Zach, you got good money that he's, uh, I guess, if you're a one Philly fan, you got to be a fan of all the teams right from the city. Is that right? Yeah, he's got to be rooting for for all the hometown teams, for sure. 
You got to. Uh, so great to see you there, Matthias. Roger Carr is tuned in from Greenville, South Carolina, back with us once again via LinkedIn. Roger normally gives us a weather update, Zach, and I'm hoping he's going to – I bet it's cold in the upstate of South Carolina like it is here in Metro Atlanta, but we'll exactly. see. Roger? Yeah. Brian tuned in from Dallas, Texas, a fellow – is it Dallasonian? I know Brian. Brian oh. uh, Brian is a friend of mine. He's He is tied into the uh, building materials business that's very relevant um, in, in the space right now. Yeah, construction's hot. Just talking the other day with our friends from U.S. Bank as we're analyzing the freight payment index for fourth quarter. Permitting across the country generally, especially in the Northeast, is is at a brisk pace. So, Brian, good to see you via LinkedIn. Christine is re- refreshing our memory. Norfolk, Virginia. I knew that. Norfolk, Virginia. Bruno t- tuned in from Brussels, Belgium via LinkedIn. Bruno, great to see you. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And Matthias, yeah, he's bringing it. Fly, Eagle, fly. It comes to my mind, right? He's a big Eagles fan, clearly. So good to see you. Dallasites, is that real, Zach? Is it Dallasites? What's that? Instead of Dallasonians, is it Dallasites for people yeah. from Dallas? Is it really? Yeah. We can we can go with Dallasites. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's a popular term these days, for sure. All right, we're going to do some double-checking on that. So Amanda, big thanks to, again, Amanda Chantel and uh, Catherine behind the scenes helping make production happen. Hey, Y'all do a little research on that. Let's make sure that is the uh, it is Dallas sites. That just doesn't seem right, but hey, who knows? Uh, all right. So, Zach, you buckled up. Welcome, everybody. I know we, we couldn't hit everybody, but we look forward. Keep the comments coming. We'd love to get your take on what you're going to hear today as we talk about 2022 and supply chain real estate. Zach, you're ready for me to bring in our featured guests. Yeah, let's bring them on. All right. So we want to welcome in Melinda McLaughlin, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Research at Prologis, along with Ben O'Neill, Senior Vice President of Capital Deployment at Prologis. Hey, hey, Melinda, Ben, how are y'all doing today? Doing well. Thanks, Scott. Doing great, Scott and Zach. Excited to be here. It is so good to see you. The cold weather here in Metro Atlanta is kind of uh, freezing my, my mouth. It's not working right here today, but <laughs> Dallas sites, I'm gonna, just a quick pulse real quick. Melinda, Ben, do y'all think Dallas sites is what we call folks from Dallas? Whew, I don't that know. Sound right? <laughs> Dallasonians. That sounds a little more. I'm with you, Ben. All right. We're split. We're, <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, it's a hard, only the hard hitting topics here at supply chain now, but let's move from that topic to the NFL network talk. It's, lately it's been all NFL all the time, right? Uh, we got the conference title games coming up this weekend. So let me tee this up because I'm going to have all of y'all break out your crystal balls and let us know what's going to happen. So in a Midwest special, the Bengals take on the Chiefs in the AFC game. And in a West Coast thriller, perhaps, the Niners are taking on the Rams in the NFC championship game. So uh, now our panel, so everyone in the cheap seats, our panel really hails. We're coast to coast today, right? Melinda. Hey, uh, it, although she hails from Colorado, she lives in San Francisco. Ben is from Pennsylvania, but he lives in, in Washington, D.C. And Zach, Zach, I know you went to Ole Miss. Where'd you grow up, Zach? Memphis, Tennessee. That's right. Memphis. That's right. And you currently reside in Dallas, which is why we're trying to figure out what to call Zach, right? <laughs> yeah, a Texan. A Texan. That That's much easier. Much there easier. You. All right. So. These two big games coming up, right? And and I'll tell you, last weekend, it was like must-see TV. Every game was good, especially as, as y'all saw that Chiefs-Bills game. 
So I'm going to start with you, Melinda. Uh, you're going to give us your fearless, bold bet first. What? Who do you have in the AFC and NFC games? So I'm going to start with an admission. I thought it was the Bills year, so I'm already off. <laughs> so don't trust me. I'm going to start with that. As you mentioned, I'm in the Bay Area now, so I'm going to be rooting for uh, our Niners. Anytime you have San Francisco versus LA, tensions are high. I love. I can't wait to see what that stadium looks like. Um, so definitely taking the Niners. And to keep the underdog theme going, I'm going to go with uh, the Bengals as well. Just Man. shock. I want surprises all around. <laughs> Let's make it exciting. I love that. And, you know, you you alluded to that Niners-Rams rivalry, and and you're absolutely right. I, I, I grew up, for some reason, uh, a Jim Everett fan of those 80s Rams with Flipper Anderson and Henry Ellard and Kevin Green was on some of those teams way back in the day. And they could never get past those Niners. They just only beat them just a couple of times. I don't know if that's a rivalry, but but it was hotly contested, as you said, Melinda. So I love the underdog card you chose. Ben, who you got in these games? Yeah, you know, I'm not my football predicting skills are awful. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sticking with the supply chain theme, I'm gonna go with comparing their respective uh, logistics markets as the predictor. <laughs> so I think Los Angeles is a better logistics market than San Francisco for 2022. So I'm going LA. And when I compare Kansas City and Cincinnati, I got a slight edge to Cincinnati. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there with uh, the Amazon Air Hub and things like that. So slight edge to Cincinnati. Uh, so that's how I'll, I'll play it based on the market. That. I love that. Two extremely intelligent uh, predictions there. And y'all both went with Cincinnati and the Niners, right? Both. Okay. No, no. no I go with L.A. L.A. is oh, a, a, uh, a better logistics market. In then San Francisco, I got you. I'm a little bit slow sometimes. I got you. All right. But y'all both took the Bengals. So let's come around to Zach Rutland. Zach, who you waiting taking, in with? I'm taking the Bengals too. I'm a big Joey B fan. So I'm hoping he tears it up. I've got some some good buddies, the McCarthy bros. They're, they're Cincy guys. So they'd probably get after me if I didn't say that. It just sounds like trouble to me. The McCarthy brothers and trouble. They are trouble. Yeah, they are trouble for sure. And then on the other side, I, I got to pick the Rams. Matt Stafford is just so fun to watch. And uh, he's a Dallas guy. He's a Dallasite. So, yeah, I'm cheering for I'm cheering for Stafford. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you all. I'm, I'm going to so, – so, folks, I'm going to be – I'm going to stand out here. I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm like – I got to go with the Chiefs. My buddy Greg White and, and uh, Clay Phillips are both going to be there at the game. Greg's a lifelong Chiefs fan. They've been living high these last uh, few uh, de decade or so, roughly. So I'll go to the Chiefs there. But I love the Bengals story. And on the other side of the coin, I'm going with Melinda. I'm going with the Niners and an upset of the Rams. So that's that's for my, my dear friend, Corey Comer, who may be dialed in. Uh, also known as Dude Cromers, uh, Corey's new nickname, Dude Cromers. Uh, anyway, we'll leave, we'll set that aside. Uh, let's say, let's see who else, what their picks are, uh, folks. Let us know what your picks are for the weekends. Christina and Malcolm, or who leads our research here, have confirmed it is Dallas site. So Zach, you're on the money as always. Uh, George, welcome. Glad to have you here today. Tuned in from Sandy Springs, Georgia, home of UPS World Headquarters. Some folks may not know that. Uh, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Roger's giving us that weather update. Roger, appreciate it. How cold and rainy. Not good. But the good news is we're seeing our COVID test dropping from a high of 60,000 per day. So Roger's team is, is processing some of those COVID tests. So that's good. That's great news, Roger. We'll take that. 
Chris Copenhaver is tuned in from Atlanta via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Chris is a fraternity brother of mine from South Carolina. So it's great to see you here also in real estate. So good to see you. All, all the heavy hitters are here today. And Roger is, is uh, Chiefs and Rams. Chiefs and Rams. So we'll see who is right. Maybe we can put a Waffle House patty pelt plate as a wager on our picks here today. But I digress. Like, uh, right. like my buddy Dom chimed in with uh, one for the Cleveland Browns. Dom has been uh, big into <laughs> construction. So he's a, he's a power player in construction. So I'm glad to have him here as well. Well, you know, a lot of folks don't realize that the Brown family, right? I can't remember his first name. The Brown family founded both the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, how bold is it to name a franchise after your last name? Uh, it's pretty bold. But I'm hoping that the resurgence that Cincinnati has will spill over and get the and get Cleveland back into a big time playoff run. We'll see. They've been they've been out of it. Well, like I said, they made it last year, but they've been at it too long. So we'll see what happens there in Cleveland. And you know, Ben will bring you back on to analyze those logistics markets in a future episode. Okay. So unfortunately. We've got to talk things other than all day with Zach, Melinda, and Ben. So I want to talk about you know, uh, 2021 for many. We were hoping, wishing, praying, you name it, for a bigger, brighter, and more pandemic-free year in 2021. And that's not exactly what we got, as we all know. And many of the challenges that we saw really come to the table in 2019 and 2020 stayed with us through 2021. And are with us still coming into 2022, um, whether that's labor shortages, which many folks have said have changed permanently, right? The whole labor market, port congestion, rising price, raw materials, you name it, no shortage. So Melinda, I want to start with you as we dive into the uh, topic of the day. Um, what are you seeing, especially from that industrial real estate perspective? What's the headline right now? Well, like you said, it's, it's kind of a continuation of what we saw beginning in 2020. And it definitely intensified. So I think the headline right now is that supply chains are still in the spotlight as value creation machines. Like there's a lot of focus on the troubles, but it almost, you know, they go hand in hand. If it's become so clear that they're not running smoothly, you can't have all the great growth that we've seen. So what we see, how that is reflected in logistics, real estate demand is really driven by three big forces. One, people are still spending a ton of money on goods. Again, COVID not being completely gone. You know, we're still at home. We're still hopefully expanding our living situations and, yes. and doing a lot of different things <laughs> that started in 2020. And we're, we're seeing more of that in 2021. So people are spending and they're buying uh, more goods than ever. Second, more e-commerce still. Um, definitely that value of having that direct to home um, still very relevant in 2021, unfortunately. Um, and finally, I think the supply chain, the persistent supply chain disruptions have really underscored how supply chains that were tuned for that just in time need to make a shift. Even without a pandemic, there are weather disruptions, climate disruptions, labor disruptions. Um, this isn't going away. And for those who really want to provide that awesome customer experience, they need to look to their primary value creation machine, the supply chain, and really think about what that looks like going forward. Okay. I got to go back. I love that value creation machine because I completely agree with you. Global supply chain makes it happen. Sure. It's had its its own share of challenges, but you know, I think one of the cool things, and we're going to talk about good news later in the conversation, is consumers 
who are, and that's all of us, I'm pointing a finger at myself, we've, we've long taken for granted of what goes on, the boring part of supply chain when everything is just normal. And I think there's a greater appreciation uh, for what supply chain does to make it all happen and get our stuff when we want it at the price we want it right on time. So, okay. So that's the headlines. There's three things. Uh, Melinda, that's a great starting point. I want to get into, and, and Zach, I'm coming to you here. I'm not going to use the, the word, uh, the acronym TNN. We'll leave that to be a cable station out of Nashville, Tennessee. But this is the new reality. We, yeah. We're not going back to how the world and the global supply chain worked in, say, 2018. So we talked about you know, labor and ports, you name it. These things are persisting, as Melinda pointed out, and a lot of it just speaks to how reality has changed. So, Zach, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing from customers and the market? Yeah, I'd say finding space in general is is tough to begin with, and we'll touch on that. Um, I know Melinda, you know, has talked about that in the past, but um, once we do find space, we're, we're running into other problems, um, notably the building materials themselves. So, let's say we find a space. Most of the time these days, they're either in, under construction, planned, or maybe in shell condition. Um, and we're waiting on on these on these parts and on these building materials. So let's say a company has to be up and running uh, by peak, which is in October, November, December. We have to have leases signed now if we're going to get those building materials on time. That's mm -hmm. hard to do. It's hard for a company to sign a lease that far in advance, not knowing if the dock levelers are going to be there on time um, or if the drywall is going to be there. Um, insulation materials, you name it. Brian, who's, who's dialed in on the phone, he'll tell you that it used to be four to six weeks um, to, to get a dock level or a dock package. Now you're looking at six, sometimes seven months. So wow. really setting the expectation with our clients uh, when it comes to taking new space on the timeline to when they can be up and running, that's that's a big, big pay point right now. Excellent point. Okay. Uh, Melinda and Ben, I'm coming to you just a second. I want to share a couple of quick comments. And, and quickly, by the way, speaking of construction, we talked about permitting on the front end with all these permit uh, permits, construction permits growing and and, and uh, getting issued. To your point, Zach, uh, because of some of these shortages in, in labor and materials and transportation, it's adding to the backlog. So folks do have to take action sooner rather than later. Otherwise, you'll be at the end of the line and maybe end of a longer, longer line. Uh, let's see. Christina was right. Okay. Dallas sites. You were right. Uh, K rod, you got it. You got the prize of the day. Chloe's tuned, tuned in from Charleston via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Uh, Chloe Kavan is back with us. Kavan, hope this finds you well. He, uh, that coined the word, the new abnormal Melinda, Zach and Ben, the new abnormal. <laughs> let's see here. Amin is tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, let us know where you're tuned in from. And Dominic, who you pointed out the Browns fan, he, it is good to be here, Zach. Okay. Well, hey, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more coming, Dominic. So, Melinda, let's go back to you for a second. So, for those businesses, gosh, all of them that rely on global supply chain, because they really, we all do in some way, shape, or form. What can they do to prepare for all of, for for the uh, the new reality we find ourselves in? I think Zach previewed it. Advanced planning is going to be critical in this market. So, not only is there you know, very little choice out there today. But even as you look forward into the construction pipeline, which is kind of ballooning as these projects get stuck in it, I've heard of stories of waiting on one, you know, electrical part, but those supply chain challenges that are impacting users are definitely also impacting the supply side. 
So the further ahead of this you can get, and really, again, think about where you want your supply chain to be, maybe not even just in 2022. We think these supply chain challenges will extend into 23. So what does your supply chain look like a few years down the road? And if you can act with conviction, I would say do it. We do not see in our crystal ball any substantial easing, um, unless there's, you know, a black swan event or something like that, but any substantial easing in the horizon. Mm. And to that point, those that can act with speed have been winning these deals. Um, so whatever, you know, customers take different approaches, look to data, to technology, um, really examine their supply chain networks. But if you can do it sooner, do it faster, I think you're in a much better position. I love that. And I love, man, you, you, the themes you're bringing to us here today, Melinda, value creation machine, acting with conviction, speed. I would argue that global supply chain is like a Ferrari, despite some of these uh, some of these challenges we, we're facing. I'm a bit biased. All right. So, Ben, we're going to move into uh, one of my favorite parts of this conversation here today because it's focused on the good news. And, you know, there's always good news if we look for it. Right. If we call timeout and act with conviction, rather, to go out and look for it. One of the big silver linings from the pandemic, Ben, has been all the innovation we've seen across global business and certainly in, in supply chain. So your work been with Prologis's Venture Capital Fund, so say that three times fast, <laughs> Prologis Ventures. So what are some of the innovations that, that you and the team have been seeing and or some of the technologies that you think are really close to w more widespread adoption? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that the one trend we're, we're monitoring really closely is AV trucking. Melinda and I partnered um, a partner quite frequently on uh, kind of big topics at our company that we think will affect our customer base. And we think AV trucking is, it's, it seems like it's been, the promise has been there for quite a while, but it seems like there is a broader acceptance of, of that technology. And I actually, a few weeks ago, I spent some time in a truck and did it a very long, a 30 mile loop uh, and it was it was incredible to see how responsive the technology was. I mean, and it was not the super manicured loop where you're just kind of going around a parking lot. And they took us out on the 880 and up around the hills in San Francisco and through a tunnel and we got cut off. And it was amazing the way the technology responded. You mean so, a driver cut the truck off like a different yeah. car? Well, I mean, other motorists caught oh. the vehicle that I was sitting in the back of watching this live uh, as the autonomous technology was driving the vehicle. And so I think when you start to look at what does that mean for supply chains, it, it it's really it's a big it's a big theme because th we all know that there's been a, uh, a trucker shortage. We all know the statistics around the average age of an American trucker is in the low 50s and how we move goods back and forth is just, it's its the lifeblood of the supply chain. And so I think AV trucking is a big area. We are making, um, we're partnering with some of the, uh, the more well-known companies. The real estate infrastructure required to support that is in its in a nascent stage. So we're, we're starting to work with companies uh, to help them with their real estate challenges around AV. And, and I'd say the second uh, big trend uh, that really is accelerating is fleet electrification. I mean, it almost seems like it's happening so fast. It's like a, a foregone conclusion that in a matter of years, your neighborhood is not going to have a, a, you know, a conventional fossil fuel burning 
truck moving through it, it'll be an electric vehicle. But there's a lot of um, physical things that have to occur to make that happen with the real mm -hmm. estate. So we've actually started a uh, an EV group. We brought over an executive from Royal Dutch Shell to start an EV group that is helping our customers uh, figure out their EV strategies. So I think, you know, there's a lot of other innovative things. Vertical farming is becoming kind of an interesting topic. We're, we're following that closely. The explosion in kind of uh, rapid delivery, all of these small um, groups like GoPuff and, um, you know, Gorillas and Bike, that there's an explosion there. So there's a, there are a lot of topics, but the two that kind of rise to the level, I think, where we really have to pay attention to them because they're they're sort of a, a, a real scalable issue are AV trucking and fleet electrification. So quick follow-up question. Hopefully maybe y'all can take a look at extending electrification to this pro football market because I think our Atlanta Falcons need to be electrified uh, and put some energy in the offense and defense maybe. Kidding aside, but back to that 30-mile, that visit you were talking about where you're riding in the back of that truck. How cool was that so so not only is it navigating through this this as you put it uh it was a loop but it wasn't i guess it was through the city it wasn't like it was a track you know where it was it was you're always turning left or whatever uh, nascar does you, you're all over the place and the trucks of course have to deal with the crazy drivers now i don't know melinda and ben and zach what the drivers are where y'all live or in california but that is top of the priority list here in georgia because we cannot drive in georgia for some reason <laughs> Uh, but Ben, anything else stick out with what had to be a, was that your first time riding in an autonomous truck? Yeah, it, it was the first time. And uh, I think, I think it's just really how close this is to being a reality. I mean, it's the, 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 the uh, there was a recent report of a run from somewhere in Arizona, Oklahoma city, where the AV truck did it in 12 or 14 hours. And when you do that with a human driver and respect the, um, uh, the, the, the hour, hour mandates, the, you were talking about 26 hours. So the, the efficiency gained with that our customers are going to see, and, and I'm sure people in the audience today working in there with their customers are going to see it. It's, it's something we're, we're really focused on. Excellent point. Melinda. Yeah. Um, I actually just want to pause on that for a moment because I think there's with a lot of this autonomous technology, there's somewhat of a misconception that it replaces human drivers. But I think especially in the trucking industry, you can think how that technology can really augment a lifestyle that, that can be really tough on, on the people driving the trucks. You know, you have your government regulations, which impact the customers, but also, you know, there's been a lot of stories about the parking shortage and, and truckers having to kind of spend some time finding parking instead of, you know, doing the business right. of getting goods from here to there. Right? right. And so I think these technologies really intersect strongly with that wish to not, not just help solve these labor problems, but frankly, make it better working conditions across the supply chain. And then, you know, hopefully we have more, you know, young dynamic people entering the industry, innovating sure. and, and it moves everybody forward. But Ben, you, you were on 880. I'm pretty sure I'm the one who cut you off. <laughs> yeah, you, you might have been. It's quite. It was quite something. There were definitely a few moments where I said, "Wow, they're they're really testing the technology here." So um, very cool. Uh, excellent points all around. And Zach, I want to get your follow up here in just a second. I'll make two quick points. Uh, Melinda, 
I completely agree with you. Uh, we got to love and take care of our truckers, right? We got to. They have such a challenging job, which no wonder we're having a hard time getting folks in there. You know, a lot of folks are saying that we're never going to completely replace uh, the dearth of drivers we have. And so it's really important to figure out how to fine tune uh, the technology Ben's talking about and also how to get a uh, society ready to see it uh, completely implemented. And I think the second point, you know, looking at fourth quarter 2021 and just the challenges we had, I, I think I saw a stat, the American Trucking Association said there, there was 5% less trucks making deliveries in fourth quarter uh, due to a variety of challenges, including not enough drivers. And of course that takes capacity out of the system. So excellent points, Melinda and Ben, I'm so glad but we're going to get pictures or it didn't happen. So we're going to get pictures from you, Ben, uh, Zach, quick comment before we're going to shift gears here in a second, no pun intended to talk uh, e-commerce or commerce is just commerce as folks are saying your quick comment around the technologies Ben's referring to. Yeah. I'd say everybody wants to get there. Um, I think it's intriguing and it's exciting to have these AV trucks and the automation, I think it brings a new level of safety on the roads. I think it could keep more people at home working around their families. Uh, one comment from the conference I was at last week, uh, one of these uh, high level executives was given a free AV truck for his large fleet and he still managed to lose money on that truck. Mm. So um, I think um, a, finding out how to operate these AV trucks profitably is going to be um, a hurdle, but I think we'll we'll get there eventually. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So one quick follow-up before we switch over. So Ben, Prologis Ventures, I think we had uh, Will O'Donnell and Todd Lewis uh, from that team a few months back. I think they brought capes. They were quite a one-two punch. Uh, mm. So I, get, I bet you get a chance to rub elbows. Will was Will. sitting with me in that truck oh. drive. He was on my right. So okay. he can he can verify all this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, tell them we said hello and we enjoyed okay. their um, their their visit with us. Okay. So, Melinda, we're going to be talking about e-commerce next, right? Because undoubtedly, it's going to continue to grow in years ahead. Of course, to power that growth, warehouses, fulfillment centers, other infrastructure, it's got to grow right along with. Uh, and then you got the tidal wave of not just orders, but returns, right? We've got to have infrastructure that's been really something that deserves a lot more spotlight, uh, especially here in, in the last few years, you know, because if you give folks the option to return stuff, don't be surprised when they return stuff. But Melinda, returns aside, when you were with us a few months ago, because uh, we, we reached your agent, we signed you to a big deal. We had to take you off your <laughs> rock and roll concert uh, schedule. But a, a couple months ago, you mentioned that warehouse vacancies were at historic lows. So what are you expecting here in 2022? Yeah, so a few months ago they were, and you know what? They surprised me again, and they fell to even greater depths. So what we're seeing today is, again, that, that acute scarcity of available space. So for trends like e-commerce, you know, the growth everyone saw in 2020, it's that level of change is not going to be repeated, but that builds up the need that ultimately gets expressed over the next several years. So the change that happened in 2020 hasn't even been fully reflected in kind of the logistics real estate market and the way people's supply chains or companies' supply chains are being configured today. So we're going to continue to see e-commerce um, expansion that's all about getting close to end consumers, plugging into those net, um, networks that can get the goods from their last uh, warehouse to your doorstep. But they're going to have a really hard time doing it. Vacancy, the last time we talked, I think was about 4%. 
Uh, today it's 3.4, which is, wow. I, you know, Zach, you give me your perspective. It was lower than I ever thought it, it could go. And so, you know, that really came from two places. I think one, just generally um, any building that was vacant for whatever reason, customers a lot more open when your choices are few, of course. But I think a lot of it was really getting that speed to market. So every building today, whether it's an existing building that's turning over or something in the pipeline, very little downtime. Um, again, speed to market, get in that building very quickly. And that ex, you know, that's your first mile buildings, your mega centers processing those imports, which are really high right now. And your last mile where you're really trying to get those packages in and on their way. Um, one positive trend, I think, in this, and so you saw it hopefully in your own personal experience, but I do think we had a better holiday season this time between understanding the supply chain bottlenecks as well as a lot of changes those last mile delivery companies have made. Um, I think we had a much better performance for that e-commerce segment um, this winter uh, versus the prior year. So companies are making these investments and they're paying off, um, but we are not done yet. Mm, we are not done yet. As uh, uh, Bobby Holland, the U.S. Bank, said yesterday, the pressure is still on, which I immediately went to the heat is on by Glenn Fry from the 80s. Remember that? Remember that, right? Beverly Hills Cop, right? Uh, that was in between my ears for about three years straight back in the day. So, Melinda, you, you talked about last mile there. Sorry. I was thinking Glenn Fry for a second. I had to pull it back in. Last mile technology. Folks, I can't remember those numbers. And maybe Amanda or uh, Catherine or Chantel can find it. But the valuation of last mile tech market right now, I want to say it's right under for 2021. It's like right under, right under a billion dollars. And by 2030, I think it's supposed to be five or eight billion. I can't remember those numbers. But everyone's trying to your point, Melinda, trying to solve that last mile. We're going to have a lot more, lot more about that. Zach, coming to you. I want to yeah. I want to ask yeah, you right. about you know this continued and sustained boom in the e-commerce uh, industry market you name it because we love we love getting our stuff at home. How has that impacted your customers' needs? Yeah, I would say that just in general, um, consumer expectation has just changed drastically in the past few years. You know, a few years ago, two-day delivery was acceptable for most customers. Now, if we don't get something the next day, we're, we're kind of disappointed. Mm. And some folks expect same day delivery. So managing the consumer expectation, I think is huge, which that means e-commerce companies taking more space. I think this past year, e-com companies took about 80 million square feet of warehouse space down. Um, that's going to include some of your, your bigger, larger warehouses, your, your big bombers. But that's also your your last mile deliveries to get those to your doorstep the next day. And I think about 20, 21 of those e-commerce deals from last year were over a million square feet. So, yes, they are still taking down huge spaces. But at the same time, those last mile hubs are, are just as important. So it, it's all coming. It's all stemming from um, the consumer demand. They expect mm. speed. And, and that's really what we have to deliver. Excellent point. Excellent point. Those expectations certainly have grown with good reason in recent years. Uh, ben, I'm going to come to you in just a second. I want to share a couple of quick comments. Elias, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. I look forward to your perspective here today. Uh, Matthias, the pandemic allowed, as he says, my small construction company to work with Prologis from maintenance of existing buildings to new construction 
Uh, Matthias says, I now work with some of the industry's leading contractors. Hey, a big tip of the hat to Ben and Melinda here. Matthias, thanks for weighing in. Kavan's got a great question, and maybe we'll have time for this once we we uh, kind of do another lap here. Not quite a 30-mile lap like Ben, you're on, but uh, we got a couple more questions I want to pose to y'all. But keep this in your mind. Kavan talks about, hey, the first mile, middle mile, or last mile. In which one do you think the transportation challenges are more? So we're going to circle back on that. All right. So Ben, when it comes to Prologis, so big thanks to Matthias for weighing in there. It's always nice to, to uh, get feedback like that. So what's Prologis doing to meet some of the needs uh, related to e-commerce? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Urban Last Touch is a program that we are about six years into, and, and really it's about putting our, our customers closer to the end consumer. And as Zach was alluding to earlier, those last mile hubs are they're, they're really difficult real estate challenges to solve because they, in order to reach the consumer after the, the first and the middle mile have been, have occurred. Now you're talking about kind of the atomization of the supply chain. So we, you know, just a nice basics. We used to back a 53 footer to the department store or the grocery store. And that was it. The supply chain ended and, and the, and, and, and we did the last mile, we walked around the aisles, we picked it up. But now you're talking about the the stores being brought to the the office or the your apartment or your front your front porch. So that that those series of movements require a very specific kind of real estate that not only has to have the right specifications in terms of circulation, uh, staging, fleet management. It also can't be you know an hour outside the, the city, it needs to be close in. So there's a real tension there between uh, what people want uh, in terms of the speed of delivery, the selection that they want, and, and whether they want those facilities proximate to their neighborhood. So what we're really trying to do is have a, um, a broad discussion, both with our customers and the communities where we operate to um, really elevate the conversation that e-commerce is kind of it's not a fad it is a in, in some ways it's become like a utility like the idea of not having amazon or not having any of these big e-commerce companies doing what they do in our neighborhoods is they're sort of vital services and so let's elevate the conversation to make sure that uh there's there's all the stakeholders have a voice in it and prologis is really trying to lead that discussion i, I would tell you that the the key thing is is um is our is our customer centricity spending a lot of time with our customers getting those issues vetted ben uh, i love that that's music to my ears right that customer experience but not just customer experience actually getting their feedback their critical insights or data their needs and and baking that into solutions i gotta share this i was so off i was so off so uh, amanda is johnny on the spot uh she's quoting the global last mile delivery transportation market is prognosticated, it's a big word, to gain the valuation of 477 billion US dollars by 2031. And that is according to analysts at the Transparency Market Research TMR. Goodness gracious, almost $500 billion. Okay, so I'll take this comment here from Kavan. More enormous warehouses being far from customers, lesser risk of shortages, smaller warehouses being closer to customers, higher risk of shortages. That is an interesting point. These micro warehouses, these urban fulfillment centers, we've seen more and more of that. I love kind of 
some of the repurposing we've seen uh, out in industry. I, I love that. Um, but excellent point, uh, Kavan and Yumisha. We are doing well. We have a rock and roll panel here today. I hope this finds you well. Looking forward to your perspectives here today. Okay, uh, we are about to shift gears. We're going to be talking about planning, Melinda, Ben, and Zach. Planning. You know us, supply chain, and I'm only calling myself supply chain nerd. I love all things supply chain. We love planning in uh, the supply chain industry. But lately, gosh, we craft a plan. And then it seems like a few weeks later, we throw it out the window. But nevertheless, uh, Melinda, I want to start with you as we as we come down the final stretch here. When it comes to long-term planning in supply chain management, what are some of your thoughts there? It's a great question and something, you know, to my earlier points, everyone in the supply chain should be thinking about now, right? Not just what your supply chain needs to be in 2022, but for the long term. I think this, you know, is really about that resiliency one thing we've seen is the retail market and, and getting these customer dollars, it doesn't get less competitive. It just gets more competitive. And so as we've seen, you know, investment in e-commerce, investment in the supply chains to support that, you know, the bar has just consistently been raised. So I would keep that in mind that, you know, we're always going for a higher level of service, more choice, more convenience, more reliability. So what does that look like in your supply chain? And then I would say add a layer of, ESG. I mean, I think sustainability um, is, re, you know, these customer preferences, you know, it ultimately comes down to what the people want, but it's good for business. Um, it's not going away. And your supply chain can be a really crucial um, point in which to, to turn that dial and really examine what can we do to reduce carbon emissions? What can we do to make this more efficient? And we see those benefits, you know, we've done some research on carbon emissions and network design. Actually, MIT did the research, but we um, we kind of asked them to do it. Where <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we care, we want to know. But from a location strategy standpoint, you know, to what Ben's focused on, adding that last mile facility in urban borders can cut your emissions by half versus coming from outside the city and trying to have all your vans come in. And that adds to congestion. That adds to a lot of negative externalities. So. I would really, you know, this is already happening. Supply chain decisions are being made much more holistically than they have been in the past. It's a C-suite issue, as we all know. Um, but I would say, you know, make sure that you're keeping an eye on all these different levers. And if you can act today in a way that's going to support your year 10, year 20 vision, um, do it. Because again, whether it's municipal resistance, making it more difficult to get, you know, the the supply chain real estate that you need in urban right. areas or these, you know, supply chain bottlenecks. Now you can't get your first mile facilities uh, expanded um, as quickly as you would like. I think these kind of disruptions, the challenges aren't going away. So right. those, those that act first are probably in a better position to capitalize on it. Agreed. What's that commercial uh, we've, we've been seeing in football games recently? History favors the bold or something like that. <laughs> um, but you're right. It's not, Folks, we got to act, right? We can't sit on our hands uh, and just hope it's going. It's going to revert back to 2018. Ben, same same. Anything you want to add when it comes to longer term planning and supply chain management? And then I'm coming to you, Zach. You know, I'd simply echo Melinda's emphasis on sustainability. It it is paramount. We just brought in a chief sustainability officer to to add to all of the sustainability sustainability initiatives we already have underway. It's um, it's good business, and I think it's obvious that the 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 generations that are younger. I'm 
I guess I don't know what generation I'm in, like the X or something like that. Gen X, yes. We're I, I saw in... your I saw your eyes light up when I said the heat is on, and that was my hunch. <laughs> my goodness, like, you're child of the eighties here, no right. problem. Um, but the 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 uh, the consumers are going to want to do business with companies that sort of embrace the the triple bottom line, that really understand that uh, we have to take care of our planet, and I think it's it's not going to be a it's not going to be optional. It's going to be front and center, and so we're we're rolling up our sleeves um, with all of our customers to try to tackle these issues. So I'd say sustainability. Excellent point. And, and, you know, uh, as we point out last time when, when we had uh, Will and Todd with us, I love that Prologis is investing in uh, the innovation and, you know, kind of hearing from customers and investing in new, bold, innovative solutions there. That's, that's, uh, uh, that's, that, that's not business as usual in my mind. Uh, so. No, and if I just, if I can say one more thing, there was a Wall Street Journal article uh, that was out recently about our essentials business. I mean, this is Prologis is thinking about this industry beyond the four walls. So it's it is about how do we become a greater participant and how our customers solve their supply chain pain points. So it's not just you're here to lease our space. It, it's how can we be a partner in solving your real estate challenges and your and your supply chain challenges. Love that. Love that. All right. So, Zach, you're going to get the last comment here when it comes to longer term planning. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I think uh, innovation and sustainability are huge, just like Ben and Melinda said. Uh, for, for our group, we're working with the occupiers of these spaces. We're working with Prologis, trying to, to put tenants in their spaces. Uh, but for them, it's going to continue to be important to plan ahead. Um, so our clients are the users of these spaces, and it's important for them to have realistic expectations. So they need to plan um, early, and they need to expect these delays. Um, and I think it all comes back to that is they need to keep their, um, their customer properly informed and just, just be ready for the, the unexpected. Um, but with proper planning, you know, I think, I think our users can, can get the job done. And that means sharing good news and some of the bad news. Uh, you got to inform them so they have more options and not hearing days later. Right. So. I want to, we're going to make sure everyone knows how to connect. We've got a little more time here. I want to circle back to Kavan's question here just a second, because Yumisha, hey, got to give the people what they want. So she won't, and some others want to know what y'all's take is there. Before I pose that, Zach, I just noticed that looks like a baseball celebration behind you. What is that? Yeah, so uh, my dad actually painted that. That is... Um... That's a picture of my baseball team back at Ole Miss. At, at the end of each game, we used to turn to the to the crowd and tip our tip our cap. So that's very that's cool. Painting is yeah. You played? I played. I spent a lot of time in the bullpen, but I had a jersey. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. Somewhere, yeah. Oh, we got to sign you up for a softball team here in the Atlanta area soon. <laughs> we'll circle back on that. All right. So Kavan asked this great question. And uh, Melinda, I'm going to start with you here. Let me rephrase it for anyone that might be listening to the replay or just came in late. Uh, Kavan says, first mile, middle mile, or last mile. Which one do you think the transportation challenges are more? Melinda, you any quick take there? Sure. I think in 99 years out of 100, it's the last mile, but possibly in, in 2020, 2021, and 2022, it's it's that first mile. And excellent. Ben? I would echo, I would echo Melinda. <laughs> I, I spent, uh, by during college, I used to work uh, for a, a parcel company as a, to earn money. 
And that is really, really hard work delivering parcels and trying to get the route density and things like that. And I, I just don't see that challenge abating anytime soon. But I agree with Melinda that with all the port congestion, things like that, the first mile is probably the more in the headlines uh, last year. But I think last mile is still the, the toughest uh, area to crack. Agreed. Agreed. You know, speaking of ports, these inland ports that the state of Georgia has been investing in you know, before the pandemic. Um, I think, gosh, talk about some some forward thinking and see the curveballs that, that the ports have had. So maybe we'll see some more of that. And one last thing, Zach, I'm coming to you next, but I love, Ben, your analogy of uh, the grocery store. Right? I, 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 my first job ever was stocking shelves and bagging groceries at our local grocery store. And uh, gosh, we didn't know how easy we had it back then. It's just amazing to, to, to kind of uh, see the, how what consumers expect now you know, versus the mid nineties. So good stuff there. All right, Zach. So first mile, middle mile, last mile, your thoughts. Yeah. What I want to say is that out of all three of those, the last mile I think has the, the most excitement um, about it and the most growth for these newer technologies. So I think um, seeing all the innovation that, that is on the way um, to properly execute the last mile is the most exciting part to me. Um, you know, this past week, I keep mentioning this conference, but all the they had a Shark Tank group for some of these startups um, that got up and uh, pitched these these investors. And a bunch of them were technology companies and these robotic companies coming up with solutions to deliver that last mile, whether it's the drones, the robots that FedEx is already using. Um, there's just all sorts of innovation that that is is out there pumping into that last mile that I think continues to make the last mile just super interesting and exciting. Agreed. Uh, that 477 uh, market sector valuation here in about five years makes it really exciting too, doesn't it, Zach? Yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, stalkers and baggers, Christina, thank you for sharing. She says she was a bagger at Albertson. So we'll have to compare stories uh, later on there, Christina. Uh, Roger says Charleston, the Charleston port finally coming up to speed and really excited about the potential there. Roger, I agree. Um, you know, just earlier, I think this past Monday on the buzz, which hit, uh, goes live every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. We talked about, uh, the port of Charleston's volume growth. I think it was 25%, uh, 2021 over 2020. So they're clearly doing a lot of things right in Charleston, despite the, uh, the challenges that are out there for all our ports. Okay. As much as I would love to keep all of y'all for a couple more hours, we'll talk supply chain, we'll talk real estate, get some real estate tips from these, this panel here, talk sports. I got to let y'all go go out and do the big things you do as movers and shakers across the industry. But Melinda, starting with you, I want to make sure folks know how to connect with you and ProLogis. Where would you direct folks to? So I think if you want to connect with me, LinkedIn is the best place you can find me. And if you want to hear uh, or read more about the logistics real estate industry, there's a section of the Prologis website called Global Insights. And that's where you can find my team's excellent work. Wonderful. We'll see if our team can find that link and drop that in the comments here right before we wrap here. So, Melinda, thank you very much. Uh, and I was going to say go Niners, but... We won't share anybody. Denver Broncos, they'll be back, right? Denver will be back indeed. And, hey, I think the Niners got a great shot against the Rams. We'll see. Um, hopefully. All right. Hopefully. That's right. All right. So, Ben, same question. How can folks connect with you? LinkedIn. That would be the most efficient way. And Echo, uh, there's tremendous 
material on our website that Melinda and her team have put together for uh, for everyone's benefit. Outstanding. Uh, Melinda, everyone wants to get your take on stuff. You and your team's take on stuff, I tell you. Ben, thank you for your time as well. And before we let Ben and Melinda go, Zach, uh, I'm going to keep you just for a second. But uh, where can folks connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn as well. So I'm, I'm highly active on LinkedIn. I'm always checking it. Um, ping me on there. Um, our team has a website, supplychainrealestate.com. Uh, it's just that easy. That yeah, it's that easy. Supplychainrealestate.com. Uh, you can connect with any of our team members there. There's some case studies on the work we've done. But yeah, LinkedIn, and I can connect you with anybody on my team, and we'd love to chat. And if you want to throw a spitball or uh, a six-inch Uncle Charlie, the curveball, comes to come talk to Zach Rutland. Is that right? Yeah, I can catch it. I was a catcher. But <laughs> okay. I, clean all, I clean all the different curveballs. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, huge thanks. I really appreciate uh, these guys. I've got my 17 pages of notes from this uh, rock and roll panel here. I want to thank Melinda McLaughlin, again, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Research at Prologis, and her colleague, Ben O'Neill, Senior Vice President of Capital Deployment at Prologis. Thanks to you both. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Zach, man, I, I, I let, uh, I mentioned I've got pages and pages of notes, Melinda yeah, and too. Ben, <laughs> they brought it by the truckload here today. Um, what was one of the, your favorite things you heard, uh, come up today? Yeah, that was great. Um, a couple of things that, that Ben mentioned, one, the autonomous trucking, um, the initiatives that are pumping into that space right now, I just think it's super important. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, the driving where you are and the driving out in California, the roads being congested. I just think that there's so much safety that can be added with these autonomous drivers. I just don't know how it's going to be implemented. So it's going to be interesting to see, but it's something that everybody's looking at, you know, when are, when are trucks going to be automated? I think it's, it's a, it's topic at every panel. Um, it's something everybody wants to see. Um, it's just, how do we get there? And so that's, I'm constantly intrigued by that. Um, he also mentioned the work that he's doing, as far as being in the urban core for these these last mile facilities, it's just difficult. You know, what they're trying to do is hard. There's not a lot of space um, in these infill markets to accomplish that. So um, the repurposing of, of some of this real estate in order to achieve those last mile facilities is it's interesting and it's it's not going to stop. Um, so I think he made two great points. Agreed. And how about uh, Melinda's? That the value creation machine, absolutely right. And, 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 you know, companies have just begun in recent years to truly understand it's not about blocking and tackling. It is a supply chain is a huge, massive competitive advantage and will only grow in its importance. And as Christina points out, uh, as Ben shared with us, uh, AV and electrification sounds exciting, by the way, K-Rod's got you back. She dropped uh, supplychainrealestate.com in the comments. Thank you for that, K-Rod. K-Rod. She was basically... Uh, Christina was basically like a, a fifth panelist today. I love that. We got a wow. bonus panelist. See, Kavan loved the safety of autonomous vehicles. We got some work to do there. But, you know, supply chain and the markets, it, huge need, big problem. They'll get it solved undoubtedly. So uh, good points there. And we also dropped uh, in the comments, Melinda shared her team's uh, specific website where all that you can find the research, Global Insights, you name it. Uh, check that out. It sounds like it's a clearinghouse for what you got to know across not just global supply chain, but global real estate. All right. So Zach, we got to wrap up here today a little bit early. I think folks, I think folks may be tailgating already a it's couple Friday, of days early, it's Friday right? Afternoon. 
<laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Give me one thing beyond watching football. Uh, we got dinner dates. So, you know, we're recently married. So we're trying to be the cool married couple that, that still goes out and has fun. So we got, <laughs> we got to plan things. So, you know, we'll, we'll uh, be out and about. Love it. Well, congratulations. Uh, on, Thank you. Uh, I think you said just within like the last uh, couple months, right? Yeah, it's been a month. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I love what you did here today. Of course, Ben and Melinda, uh, rock and roll panel there. Make sure you give our best to one and only Ward Richmond. And sure uh, to our listeners, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Uh, big thanks to everyone behind the scenes, Amanda Chantel and Catherine. Uh, big thanks to our panelists, Zach Rutland, Melinda McLaughlin, and Ben O'Neill. A lot of good stuff there. All the folks that showed up in the comments and the skyboxes. Thanks so much for bringing it here today. Folks, if you enjoy conversations like this, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss Zach Rutland and that world-class catching perspective that he's going to share on an upcoming episode. But more importantly, kidding aside, folks, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.